Welcome to the Mindfulness Academy podcast. I'm your host, Amy Morgan. And on today's show, we have Aaron Slater calling in from Colorado. Hi, Aaron. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being with us. I know it's early there. So thank you for hopping on and talking with us this morning. Um, I want to let everybody know that this is our first ever special episode. It's really uh, a holiday gift to you. Um, today, my guest is a certified coach, Erin Slater. She is the founder of Intentional Coaching and Consulting, and she and I will talk about mindfully reflecting on the previous year and planning for the next. So excited for this conversation. Um, let me tell you a little bit about Erin. Um uh, first off, from a, a personal note, Erin has been a treasure in my life. Um, she has been a coach for me since, oh goodness, what, 2018 or 19, many, many years. And um, she brings a lot to the table. So you are in for a treat today. Erin Slater, who uses she, her pronouns, is CEO and founder of Intentional Coaching and Consulting. She maintains a limited portfolio of clients while leading a growing team of outstanding certified coaches and credentialed coaches who also have nonprofit experience. Erin spent much of her career growing and leading a nonprofit organization. She has experience as a program director, development director, and six years as CEO. While she led College Mentors for Kids, the organization doubled its numbers of volunteers, staff, and income while creating a strategic direction for the multi-state expansion. She received many accolades for her leadership and accomplishment, including winning the Dreamers into Doers Award on the Martha Stewart Show. We'll talk more about that soon. Erin has the unique ability to be authentic, intentional, relational, and passionate while being committed to the success of her clients. Passionate about coaching, Erin serves for nonprofit and nonprofit leaders and their teams. Erin graduated with a degree in health and human services from Purdue University here in Indiana. She is a certified professional coach, a certified team and leadership coach, and a credentialed professional certified coach through the International Coach Federation. Welcome, Erin. I'm so happy to be here. I am so glad you are here. So we'll, we will talk a little bit about how we connected. I was trying to remember how I even found you. It might have been a LinkedIn miracle. Um, I had been in a place in my business, Good Aim Communications, in which I was looking for some coaching. I knew I'd kind of gotten to the end of my personal ability to lead things in a way that I wanted to. And I think that's how we connected. I was trying to remember that myself this morning. It was either that or through one of your one of your peers. I was trying to remember what that looked like, but what a gift. And it's been such a great partnership. And really the extent of success of a partnership is really how much the client does the work. So thank you for that. <laughs> oh, I, that's so sweet. I, I think there might've been... Um, a couple of folks that I know who had been using your services too. And I thought, well, if they use her, I really like those folks and I really respect what they're doing in life. So they, she must be onto something here. Um, Mercy, we, we've been through a lot over the years. I mean, you helped coach me through, um, honestly, kind of at the beginning of the path of mindfulness. I think I'm not even sure how you kind of helped direct me to that. 
Um, but you were certainly instrumental in it and connecting me with also another guest um, on the Mindfulness Academy podcast, Scott Sweet, who led me through the MBSR training, um, also a gift to our community. Um, I think that's kind of how it rolled. So you were yeah. kind of there at the infancy of all of this. So I have reflected on that many a time. So <laughs> thank you for nudging me or suggesting I explore something. You know, we also did a big thing a few years back. You helped coach me through writing a book. Mm-hmm. The There's a lot of mindset that goes into that. Yes. I don't know if anybody else who's listening has written a book or is trying to write a book. And there is a lot of mind trash that can come up while you're doing that. But it's such an enjoyable process if you can get past that and let the creativity <laughs> flow. And and I swear, if you were not by my side, I probably would have given up because it got it got kind of nerve wracking there for a while. So we we accomplished some big things. It's the ultimate vulnerability, right? Writing a book and putting yourself out there like that. And it's been really fun to see the response to it and how many people it's helped. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's It's been a journey and I'm so glad that I went through it and had folks like you by my side. Um, so I'd like to start the podcast by learning a little bit more about you. Would you share some some of your background? Where you, where'd you grow up? Are you from Indiana originally? I forget. Mm-hmm. I am, yeah. So I actually grew up in West Lafayette, um, went to Purdue University, and um, it was there that I had the opportunity to start a, a student organization chapter of College Mentors for Kids, which was a nonprofit organization that was in its infancy. So having really no idea what I was getting myself into, I was like, yes, I love kids. I'll, I'd love to start a student organization. And it was really there that leadership development and growth started to happen. You know, you're leading a student organization, you're making connections in the community. And that really guided me to study child development and family studies in the health and human sciences field. So I graduated with my degree in child development, specialized with at-risk youth and families, and then was hired at College Mentors for Kids and had the opportunity to help learn and grow that. What a path. Well, they were lucky to have you. I mean, what what a neat thing to have you start the organization and then go on to, you were CEO there? Mm -hmm. I was. I had the opportunity to serve as in the program side and then the fundraising side. And then it's interesting because that's really what helped to pivot into the coaching realm is that as executives at College Mentors for Kids, we always had executive coaches. And I think that looking back now, I know that that's really rare in the nonprofit sector. And when it was time for me to pivot careers, I really did know like that's what I wanna do because people had poured into me. Um, and so really I've made it my mission in the last five years since I've become certified to increase access for nonprofit leaders to high quality leadership development and coaching. So you say that is rare. Mm-hmm. What does it include? So you can paint a picture for us, what it means to advise nonprofit leadership. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, a, a good coach 
um, really becomes a partner to a client to achieve their potential, whatever that looks like. And um, a, a true certified and credentialed coach is going to believe that the client has the answers within and is going to ask really great questions to help them pave the path for what they want for themselves and their lives. Yet also, as we all know, because we're humans, along the way, we're going to bump into these big blocks. And most of them are internal, you know, our our inner critics or our limiting beliefs or the stories that we're telling ourselves. And coaches have the ability to, like, it's like a superpower to hear those inner blocks and help clients remove and eliminate them so that they can be the best version of themselves. I like that. I like that quite a bit. And you've been building that over the last five years, that particular specialty and Mm -hmm. your team has grown. I mean, started with you and what are you up to now? How many folks? (laughs) We have uh, 14, 14 certified professional coaches and then some administrative staff members who keep us really organized. Um, But it's so wonderful. And I think that's a, a big piece of gratitude for me. I remember when I first started coaching, I was saying, people are paying me to do this. Like, this is like a dream come true. And I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, like there's five clients. And now to be at hundreds is a big source of gratitude for us. Well, congratulations. It's been a complete joy to see you start and blossom this into something truly incredible. Um, I'm wondering if you would tell us about being on the Martha Stewart show. I know we're going back a little bit, but I remember seeing that on your website when I was at at first researching you to find out who you were. Um, And if I wanted to hire you as a coach, what was that all about? What was it like being on the Martha Stewart show? Well, let me start by saying when they called, I thought they were joking. (laughs) So I, I literally thought I was being pranked. Um, One of our, one of our staff members was so generous to nominate me for this award and I'd never heard of it before. So when they called, I was like, Oh, this is just someone teasing me. Um, And once we, validated that it was real it was a surreal experience um i think the idea of the award um and i wasn't the only one honored i think it's who who has turned their passion into their profession and so the award was called dreamers and to doers and was recognizing that um so they flew my husband and i to new york city like very white glove experience you know there was the black car pulled up and we felt very spoiled um and nurtured and then once we got there you can imagine the green room on the Martha Stewart show you're gonna have fresh yogurt and fresh blueberries and cloth napkins um and I was very very nervous so mindfulness helps right in those moments and so my husband saw me do lots of breathing lots of you know trying to regulate myself um And then the experience itself was just pretty incredible because she shone a light on um, my little buddy who was an adult, you know, getting ready to go to college and I hadn't seen him. So they tracked him down and we were able to reconnect on that show. And now um, from time to time, I'm able to connect with him. He lives in Arizona. When my son and I, um, my son had a soccer tournament there. We, We got to see him and his kids. That is super special. What a neat experience. Um, I'm wondering if anything happened as a result of that show. I mean, what what year was that? So I think that was in 2009. 
And it's interesting. I think we were like, oh, are the phones going to ring off the hook? Like what's going to happen as a result? Um, we had a couple a couple groups doing watch parties, which felt really great. But really, I think what it did was allowed us to get some credibility and visibility. And as a nonprofit organization, to have a video clip like that, to be able to, you know, share with funders, potential funders, and to steward existing ones, I think it just made everyone feel really great about the work that we were doing. It's a lot of sense. So I want to hear more about you and your team. So what does it mean to be a certified professional coach? What does that entail? What what can they offer? Well, one of the things I like to share from an education perspective is that coaching is an unregulated industry. So anyone can just put that on their business card and charge a ton of money. But really what tends to happen in that scenario is a lot of advising and consulting. And coaching is a very different um, modality. And it's different from therapy, it's different from mentoring, and it's different from consulting. And so um, what's really important to us is that twofold. One, all of our executive coaches are certified, meaning that they've taken a training to learn the trade of coaching. And um, almost all of ours are certified from the same organization, which offers 350 hours of training. So it's a big investment. It's, it's really pouring into um, each of us individually to make sure that we are ready to practice in a way that's going to serve the client. And then there's a second layer, which is a credential. And because it's an unregulated industry, a credential provides an ethical overview of, of how we need to be showing up from a confidentiality perspective and also um, ensures that we have ongoing training so that we're always staying fresh in our trade. Okay, so I'm curious is there one type of coach that you have mostly kind of focus on the nonprofit sector mm -hmm. or are there folks who are different types of coaches under your umbrella, um, mm -hmm. like nutrition or, or other types of health and wellness? Tell, tell me about that. Yeah, that's a good question. And it's really um, a great way to demystify the whole idea of coaching. So the way I would answer that, I imagine people would answer it differently, but the way I would answer it is that um, coaching is just a process. You can coach anyone about almost anything at any time, yet coaches who come to the trade have really powerful backgrounds and they're bringing all of that experience forward. So my background is nonprofit. Um, we have coaches whose background is corporate. We have coaches whose background is faith-based. So we have the same process. We just have a unique history that an expertise that we might bring to the table. So if you are looking for a coach, you can find one in anything. You can find a financial coach. You can find a health coach. You can find a mindset coach. So um, I think, and there's a lot of crossover within them. Is that helpful or what other questions does that bring up? That is very helpful. I'm wondering if... Um the different coaches within your company, are they promoted a certain type? So, uh, you know, more mindset coach or more nonprofit or different ones. Is that how you kind of maybe select one? Is that how it typically works? Well, the selection process for us is really that they all have the same certification. 
So that allows us to use the same tools um, for intake, for ongoing work and beyond. But if you if you look on my website, what what you'll see is each one kind of anchors into a different theme. So we might have one that really focuses on courage and one that focuses on confidence or one that focuses on emerging leaders. And so what happens from an intake perspective is when a client wants to work with us, I listen to what they want for themselves and their lives and then recommend one or two coaches that they would consider based on what I know the gifts are. I love that. That sounds wonderful. So we're going to talk about reflecting on the past year and planning for the next year. But before we do, I want us to talk a little bit about mindfulness practices. So we, so we root the conversation in mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to hear from you, your definition of mindfulness. Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think if I were to, if I were to answer that, I think I would say coming back to myself, right? I mean, I think so often in a day, you know, you're kind of, you can find yourself getting through. And I think that when I feel stressed or at my growth edge, which I often am, um, mindfulness helps me come back to, okay, like, it's okay. I'm, I'm good. I'm in a good place. You know, the, the world is happening for me, not to me. And so, um, but it does take intention, right? It doesn't just happen. And there's so much of what you just said that that resonates with me, even personally, you and I've talked a lot about growth edge and as leader, as a leader, I know that that is a place where I tend to ride and it can get really uncomfortable, (laughs) but, um, and things don't always go as planned. And Mm -hmm. I hear your voice in my head so often saying, (laughs) what if you look at this scenario and say it's happening for me, not to me. And that shift, that paradigm shift is huge in a moment. I think there's a lot of control, um, a lot of, I don't know, self-empowerment that comes from considering that. And um, even an act of faith in just accepting the fact that, you know, the universe has your back, as Gabby Bernstein would say. And and then it is part of a bigger scheme that maybe mm-hmm. that we can't see. And- yeah, I totally agree. I think it does. It gives you your power back because when we're stressed, you feel out of control. And like you said, like, okay, if this were the best thing that happened to me, or if this were actually happening for me, it requires you to tap into a little more trust and faith and then anchor into, okay, what do I want? And then how do I get that? So how is coaching mindful? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, different coaches do it differently. I um, just finished a package with my own executive coach and we either started or ended every single session with mindfulness. And it could be anchoring into something I wanted to work on specifically. It could have been visualizing success, whatever was mattering to me, she would customize that. And so I think that different clients have different appetites for that. And sometimes a coach will be working with someone on something very emotionally charged. 
and we'll offer the opportunity to say like, what if we step back and breathed for a minute? What if we, what if we just took a minute of silence? But I think that the ultimate mindfulness that a coach offers is asking a really great question and giving as long as it takes for the client to come up with an answer. And I'm not kidding. There have been times where I have waited 30 minutes. What? You've asked a question and gone silent. For 30 minutes. In this this particular situation I'm thinking of, um, the client was doing some really deep work about what she wanted for herself. And the question was just, what do you want tomorrow morning to look like? And after the long silence and, and reflective time, she just burst into tears and said, I don't want to decide. Perfect. Then don't decide. And I think that's the power of bringing, coupling mindfulness in with coaching. It's creating that space to get still and quiet and listen to what you really know to be true. And you maybe never gave yourself permission to do before. Wow. I that feel, takes- I have the chills. Like I feel so, so privileged to get to hold that space for people. And that's a perfect way to say it, I think, is holding space. Yeah. You know, how often does someone sit with you and ask you a question? And instead of filling the space with, you know, a lot of, a lot of words, just letting folks think through. Mm-hmm. Which is what we're wired to do. We're always thinking about what we want to say next instead of just allowing it. Hmm. I like that quite a bit. I'm wondering what mindful practices are central in your own life and leadership. Sure. Sure. I think it's different at different seasons, right? Um, I was thinking about when we first got connected. Um, I also had the opportunity to do that mindfulness-based stress reduction course with Scott Sweet. And I was actually referred to it from my therapist. And, you know, your therapist knows you pretty well. And if they're going to suggest something like that, you know, usually you want to listen. And it was hard, right? I remember that eight week course and particularly that silent retreat, how much anxiety I had going into like, oh, a full day of silence with no phone. And so at that time in my life, I was actively learning and practicing regularly, developing really great rituals. And I feel like the season that I'm in now, I grab mindfulness where I can just because of the pace that I'm operating in the age of my kids. So, you know, it's not uncommon for, for me to start every morning with Mike Dooley's notes from the universe. I don't know if you get those, but those are my favorite way to start the day. Um, Not every day, but from time to time, I will start the day with a visualization, thinking about what success looks like for me. But really what I think is happening more so now is like in between a session, I might grab my energy back, you know, reground myself and let go of energy that's not mine. Or before a big meeting that I'm nervous for, I might do some really deep, um, breathing exercises to regulate my nervous system. So I don't feel like I have 
like a regular daily practice right now. And I'm being patient with myself around that because it's easy to judge yourself and say, I should be doing this every morning. I should be doing this every evening and just grabbing it where I can and appreciating it when I get the opportunity. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. It sounds like there's a lot of grace involved. And I think that that's a wonderful reminder. You and I talk a lot about that because I'm very type A, you know, what is it? Uh, the Enneagram one, that kind of profile. And yes. I have a hard time if I haven't checked all the boxes, feeling like there's success, that all or nothing mentality mm-hmm. doesn't always serve me. And I appreciate the reminder of that. Even in your own practice, it's very helpful. I'm wondering what sorts of practices you employ when the emotional load of being a coach mm-hmm. becomes too much. I know you and I have talked about a lot of things that you do, and it has been a wonderful model for me um, because there's a lot of permission, you know, in in self-care and self-regulation. So how do you maintain this practice? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a number of things I do, and it depends on kind of how I'm feeling or what I need. I mean, one of the beautiful things is about living in Colorado is nature. And being able to step outside on the side of a mountain and really just feel so small and grounded and part of something so big. I mean, right now I'm looking outside and seeing like deer just run up the mountain. And um, so sometimes it's really just about getting out of my house and recognizing that these issues that I'm feeling and this burden that I'm carrying are really small in the big scheme of the world. Um, but I also do things like regular visualization, especially at the turn of the year, a lot of reflection, um, and a tremendous amount of gratitude. So one of the things, if you were watching me as I prepare for a public speech or a training is I'm also asking for support, right? Spiritually. So I will say something like, you know, God, universe, source, spirit guides, you know, all things that support me, please help me to say the words that these leaders need to hear in the way that they need to hear them. And then afterwards, I always just share gratitude for that. That's just my personal belief and how that practice can support me. Um, But now as my practice grows, I think I want to turn my intentions towards my own well-being and making sure that I'm healthy and well. So I think it's shifts based on what's mattering most in my life. And and I know I love hearing about how you prepare to talk with folks. I think that's a beautiful model and something I would like to consider um, integrating into my practice as well. What are the sorts of things that you might do? Do you go on retreats? Do you take care of yourself in other ways? Maybe even just days off. I'm trying to think of just other ways too, that, you know, that self-care comes in because Mm -hmm. you are in service, capital S. (laughs) And I think you and I have talked about this before because, um, you know, another thing that my, um, therapist at the time had spent a lot of time recommending was some time by myself. And I didn't realize at the time how, how afraid I was about who I would find there. And I mean, just thinking back, the amount of energy it took for me, I remember one time doing, um, I think it was one or two nights, I went down to Louisville when I lived in Fishers, um, Indiana, 
and I stayed in a, um, I stayed in a, a Buddhist retreat center and it was silent, silent monks lived there. And so I had my own little space. I took my books, I took my journal. And I remember leaving thinking, why was I so afraid of that time? And now I crave it. So similar to you, just coming off of your own little personal reflection retreat, I try to do that from time to time where it's just me and myself and my books and my journal and, and rest and reflection. So I can't wait to hear about yours. Yes, we will certainly offline that, but I will, for our listeners, I will say I took uh, about two or three days off out of the office to reflect on the past year and plan for the next, which is the topic of today's podcast. And it was uh, a deep time of rest. In fact, um, I stayed at our cabin and did not leave. I took walks on the property, did not leave. I think that is the first time in the history of owning the property that I didn't leave. I did not run away, you know, to do other things or be busy. I stayed and it was deeply restful. And I feel like I am kind of stitched back together in certain places and um, a lot more clear on, yeah, what went well last year and what could have been improved and what, what I really am wanting for this next year. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that whole process. I'm wondering, it sounds like you're in a season of life and I love the vulnerability around that. And I'm so grateful that you shared that. Um, but I'm wondering what sorts of mindfulness routines or even just morning routines, even if it's just a minute or anything that provides a mindful grounding to you before you get started in your day, what sorts of things might you do in a given morning? Yeah. So depending on what's mattering to me, one thing I do, I actually said it here, um, is I might write in my uh, reality hacker journal. And what this, what this does is it helps you to identify what you're trying to create in your life and write about it as if it's already happening so that you can align yourself to receive whatever your, your dreams are. And I know I've shared this with you before, but I'll share with your audience. I had to stop writing in it because things were just coming true so quickly that I was like, man, that thing, I don't, I need to set it down for a while. But it wasn't until um, I had the opportunity to um, have breakfast with Kevin Bailey. And he asked this, that simple and provocative question, well, why don't you just start writing about health? If that's what you're in well-being, if that's what you're trying to create for yourself. And I was like, well, you know, that's exactly what I need to start doing. So that, that is a practice that I'm always coming back to and evolving on a daily basis. I would say, um, I really like to use the time when I brew my coffee to look out on the beautiful mountainside and just to like watch the sunrise for a minute and anchor into gratitude. I think one of the things here in Colorado that inspires me the most is the amount of sunshine. We have, I think, 300, more than 300 days of sunshine a year. And I didn't realize how helpful it is to see the sunlight first thing in the morning. And that has been a tremendous moment of just like, oh, so much gratitude looking out, being grateful for, for our house and our life and our health and all of those things. I love that. Thank you for sharing about all of that. I 
I think it might have been Atomic Habits. That seems like an Atomic Atomic Habits um, practice that you have where you connect something you want to do with something you're already going to do on a regular basis. So you're brewing your coffee and, and you want to be grateful. Mm-hmm. That is your intention. And so you're taking a moment of yep. quiet to reflect on all that is wonderful in your life and the blessing. Yeah. So I love that. Huge fan of Atomic Habits. If you haven't read it, <laughs> highly recommend. Um, try to employ that um, those sorts of practices in my own life. Um, I am wondering how mindfulness has impacted your life. Has there been any change mm-hmm. since you started using mindfulness practices? Yes. And I would say it's not always been easy either, because I remember when I first started with the mindfulness-based stress reduction course, it felt very um, uncomfortable at first. And that practice in and of itself really immerses you in it. So you are spending a tremendous amount of time in quiet and solitude where as a high achiever, as a type A person who felt like, you know, always wanting to do better, you know, and, and do things well, that took some deprogramming, I would say. And so I would say the outcomes for me have been recognizing, um, recognizing that I've recognizing that, um, I can heal myself. Right. I think so often we're looking externally and we forget how powerful our minds and our bodies are. And I think the other outcome I would say from a business perspective, which now I'm trying to turn to more of a well-being and health perspective, is that <laughs> I always love telling people the story that when I first started my business, I put like a lot of visualization cues around my office. So one of the things that I tried to do was put, I put a number, which was my monetary goal on my computer monitor And, um, my husband just was like, what are you doing? And I was like, well, you know, I'm just going to put it there. And then I forgot about it, but that very year, the very first year we were in practice, we were doing our taxes and he said, oh my gosh, you're within a thousand dollars of that number. And so now he's like, what number are you going to put? And every year I have exceeded that number. And even this year I put a huge number that I thought I'd never hit, like just So I don't know if it's, I mean, I guess the way I like to look at it is it's my subconscious that's creating the opening to receive. Um, So I find that these visual cues, whether it be an affirmation on my mirror or whether it be a goal that I've put in front of myself or a reminder to let energy that's not mine go, I find that all these things are always working together to support me. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing all of that. The early morning, early morning conversation. Sorry about that. Um, I'm wondering, since you have integrated mindfulness practices into your own life, it sounds like you're, it's something you're imparting to your clients as well. And I'm curious what sorts of um, changes, positive changes you've seen as a result of integrating that, how maybe it's helped your clients. I think it has for many. And I think there's different ways to look at it. I think, you know, I do have some clients who are, you know, I don't want to meditate. I don't want to 
Like that doesn't resonate with me, but what might resonate with them is, okay, why don't you spend some time this week reflecting on what are the situations that put you in a situation where you're feeling stressed? To me, that is mindfulness. It's just a different, it's a different lens on it. It's a different method to do it. But I think just the sheer nature of reflection it creates self-awareness, it creates growth, it allows for humility. And so I would say to some extent, every client, whether they realize it or not, are experiencing some level of mindfulness through coaching. That makes complete sense. I'm wondering what one of your favorite mindfulness or mindset practices might be. Hmm, that's a good question. I, I will say that my most memorable one was at that all day silent retreat. And I just remember driving there thinking like, oh, I should just go home. Like, what am I going to do without my, um, without my phone, you know, without, and we were instructed just to bring our lunch and then leave our phones in the car. And, um, we learned all different kinds, as you know, of, of meditation practices, but I think that lunch I will, I mean, it was like peanut butter and jelly and strawberries, but that because I had was so present and so focused and so alone, that was the best strawberry I've ever had in my life. And so like I went in with all this anxiety and left really feeling like, wow, like what a difference that can make of a small experience. It can make it so much more pleasurable. So you like strawberries more now. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I probably need to do some mindfulness before I eat them so that I can enjoy them just as much as I did that day. <laughs> Duly noted. You've talked several times about this like anxiety heading into that mind, that first retreat. And I've yeah. done another one or two. Yep. Scott is kind of one of the, of the alumni of the group. Um, and I remember before the first one, I mean, this is, a, this is vulnerable, but I'm going to share it because it just shows yeah, <laughs> how far cool. Amy has come. <laughs> I remember when we were leading up to the silent retreat, I remember reaching out to Scott and saying, listen, Scott, okay, this is the whole day. I would really like to know what the agenda is. So I know how to prepare. I mean, essentially in my mind, I was thinking I need an hour by hour breakdown. Or yeah. maybe What's the outcome? What, what are we achieving here? Right, right. What are we doing? <laughs> Just so I know what to anticipate from moment to moment. And he, in his very Scott-like way, just let us know that, or let me know that it was going to happen. It was, it was going to happen. And I thought, Ooh, I'm going to need to breathe through that answer. <laughs> and I did. And honestly, that was a gift though. Just allowing myself to show up and say, I don't know how this is going to roll. I, it's part of the process. I think. I am sure you are not surprised at all that I asked that question. <laughs> I don't think you're alone. I mean, I think that's the beautiful thing about it when it really is a pattern interrupt for driving personalities who are used to controlling everything and that very nature of I think twofold allowing and receiving are huge gifts as leaders but we sometimes forget that you can't really be a great giver if you're not a good receiver I've been challenged on that in a few different ways recently so thank you for that reminder 
must give and receive. So I'm wondering if you would be so kind to lead us in a mindfulness practice. Sure, sure. I would love to. I think I'd like to, um, for it to be a two-part brief process, but a two-part process. Um, I love, sometimes I'll start my day with something from meditations on self-love or only love today. Those are books that I really love to read, but they just have these little vignettes. And I'd love to read one of her, um, the author is Loresia Mattingly. I'd love to read one of her vignettes and then share a brief exercise that has helped a lot of clients related to the content. Okay. So it says, put down the heavy load. Our difficulties weigh heavily on the heart. Sometimes difficulties consume us and we feel it. It's all we think about, or we feel it physically in the body. Sometimes we are unaware that they consume us and it spills out into our lives in a way that we speak, the way that we act, and the way that we are. I once had a meditation teacher on a silent retreat ask the class, who said you have to carry it? Put it down. This is something that I have to remind myself of often. If we are the ones choosing to carry the load, we are also the ones who can choose to put it down. Oh, I love that. I know. I think it's chills just reading it. <laughs> and I think just having come off a uh, reflection and, you know, preparation for the next year. I think that that's super important to remember the not everything that we've reflected on from the previous year, or not all the things that, you know, we would love to see accomplished in the next year. Not all of that has to be squarely on our shoulders. Yes. Yes, exactly. And I think that a lot of times the load we're carrying isn't ours either. And so one exercise that I can offer for all of your listeners that is really powerful for myself and clients is to simply make a list. And on that list, write 10 or more things that are causing you worry, fear, anxiety, or stress. So you can imagine having this list, right? And it could be conflict with an employee. It could be feeling overwhelmed with your time. It could be not exercising or your health or your kid's health. So your list is long, right? And that's a really heavy burden that we have on our shoulders. Then I ask to go back to that list and circle only the things that you have 100% control over, meaning that it's something that you can say or do or think. That's it. Okay. So, well, I'm going to pause you and I, I want to do this. Yes, I want to do this yes. um, because I, I think it's hard sometimes to discern what I have complete control over and what I don't. So a little, a little coaching session here. So 10 things that are causing stress. Okay. I'll do it too. Okay. So it could be worry, fear, anxiety, frustration, or stress.
sometimes just writing it is a release too, right? Just getting it on paper. So now that you have your list, you're going to go back through and you're only going to circle the things that you have 100% control over, meaning that it connects directly to the way you think, the way that you do something. It's really only you, right? So circle only the things that you have control over and then tell, and then tell me when you're finished. Okay. Okay. I'm going to need you to give me an example of something we have hundred percent control over because that line yeah. is looking kind of blurry to me. Yeah, it is. And so that's the thing. Like when I teach this, there's a circle in the middle. That's what you can control. And there's a circle on the outside. That's what you is outside your control, but there's a middle circle about what you can influence. And that's where you're confused because yeah. what happens so often is we think, well, we think we can influence everything. So I don't even introduce that as an option. I just say, can you control it or can you not control it? So for example, um, on my list, I have um, my, my 2024 travel schedule is stressing me out. I want to travel less. I want to be more focused and present at home. So I circled that because I have control over when I schedule and what I schedule. But I also have my child is, is struggling and needs support with his IEP at school. And I don't, I didn't circle that because I don't have a hundred percent control over it. Now, if I really wanted to get creative, I could say, what can I do about that? I can influence it by scheduling a meeting. I can influence it by speaking truth about what he needs but ultimately I can't control it. And it's a huge burden I've been carrying. So my health is one that's on here that I'm doing nothing about that I have 100% control over. And so I think that's kind of the power of the exercises. What's on my list that I have control over. And on that list, what am I doing about it? And then of the items that are, I don't have control over, where can I influence? And then outside of that, let everything else go. A lot of times what you'll find on your list, particularly as we head into the holidays, is family dynamics, arguments in families, and we carry a lot of emotional burden. We cannot control how other people feel or show up, but a lot of times those things are on our list. And so that's the power in the exercise of letting the burden go and really only focusing on what you can control or influence if you can accurately do that without thinking you can influence everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it kind of came down to a lot of it is influence. Mm -hmm. um, you know, with my own health, I am doing the best I know how and I'm being yep. coached through. And so I do have control over that and I am doing something about that, but there are, you know, other family members who have health situations that I might be able to influence, you know, even was last night kind of texting with my mom about a few things, mm -hmm. giving some recommendations and I can influence it because that's my heart. You know, there, there have been folks that um, our, our family has lost a lot of members over the last few years. And there's been part of me that's carried around this guilt of, did I not do enough? Should I have mm -hmm. leaned in more? Should I have made more recommendations, um, et cetera? And, and there is a, a difference. And I think it's good to 
-hmm. reflect on that. What was squarely on my shoulders and what was just an influence and what did Mm -hmm. I already do? You know, I'm giving myself love for that. Because I think in what you just summarized, there's also opportunity. And this is a great, you know, preface for the reflection on the year. There's a lot for you to celebrate and be very proud of. And then um, I was just curious to hear. So I heard you explain, which a lot of us bump up against is the shoulding, right? Should I have done more? You know, should I have done less? Should I have, you know, and so what do we say in coaching about shoulding? We say, stop shooting on yourself. <laughs> do you want to do more? Do you need to do more? Can you? If so, do it. Because the shooting from a coaching perspective creates um, this guilt that is coming from nowhere but ourselves. So the question when you think you should do something is, do I want to? Do I need to? Can I? Mm. And it helps with boundary setting, I think. Well, your energy. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I think of that so often when I have, when I use words like should, yes. um, because Once of our conversation, it, to, it. Oh, because <laughs> when, when I say should it, 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 it pulls the energy out and instead of it going toward solutions and forward movement, it goes into, yeah, the guilt and wallowing and judgment there's no good yeah judgment there's no good that comes out of that it's just a waste of energy yeah so that helps me get back on on track quite a bit so I'm wondering as we transition into the reflection and the the looking forward in 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 a year for the given year I'm wondering why is it so hard to do this Mm mm-hmm I mean, I think that, you know, one, we work with a lot of executives and one of the things that almost every executive would say has the potential to improve their leadership the most is to rise out and do some strategic thinking time. The number one thing that is not on almost any executive's calendar is strategic thinking time. So I, I share that one as an entree, just to say If you're a leader or anyone who's wanting to improve their life by leading themselves or others, you deserve that time. But I think that there's a lot of internal struggle. Do I deserve it? You know, oh, that's so selfish. You know, whatever our inner critics are saying about that time. And there's external blocks. You know, we have Some of us might have children or partners or families or businesses or, and we can always say something else matters more. So, I mean, I think that's where the intentionality comes in to say, I'm going to take this time for myself. I'm going to make it what I want and what I need. And I'm going to tell those inner critics that it's not helpful what they're saying to me. That's really good advice. What would you add? Because you you too um, are on this journey. I think it's hard sometimes just to block the time, especially if you don't get ahead of it. So that would be a big recommendation for me is find that time as early in the year as possible to book out for especially end of the year reflection and planning for the next. So um, right now, as we're recording, it's 
you know, mid-November. And this is a little bit earlier than I typically do, but um, it just worked out with my schedule. And this is when I felt like I needed it. And so I took the time. And um, I think it's also hard because kind of like you were saying about the silent retreat, you just don't know what you might find. And especially the first time, you know, the first silent treat, I think is the hardest, the first, you know, reflection, um, practice is the hardest, I think. And it's gotten easier and easier as the years have gone by. Mm -hmm. Um, and you just don't know, you don't know sometimes if it's been a hard year, you know, going back through your calendar, which is kind of part of it. And we'll talk a little bit about that. Yeah. It can bring up a lot of feelings. And so just, giving yourself space. If you need time to either celebrate the joys. Oh my gosh, I totally forgot. That was awesome. Or, oh my gosh, that was really hard. And I made it. And I made it. Yes. And I I may still need to think about it and, and let it process. And you may, those things may crop up and just realize that there's grace and give yourself time to do the work and recognize, um, the things to be celebrated and the things, um, that you may need to still process. Mm-hmm. Uh, so th- those are kind of the biggest things. I think, like you said, is the time and, the, you know, sculpting it out, even planning ahead for it. You know, sometimes if you're out for a day or multiple days, you know, that out of office, you got to put that on and, and working ahead to let folks know, Hey, I'm going to be out everyone will survive. You know, I remember when I used to work at the Arts Council of Indianapolis, there was uh, our public art director. She she was always saying something like, you know, nobody's on the table dying. And, and just keeping that perspective, kind of like when you, when you go outside and you're standing, you know, at the base of a mountain, it's like, it's okay. The world keeps spinning and honestly practicing mindfulness. For me, it's a lot of meditation. Um, mm-hmm. that's my particular modality that I, I tend to go back to, although there are several other, um, practices, but that one in and of itself mm-hmm. is a huge reminder that the world keeps spinning without me. And in fact, it is a magical thing to let it, to let it. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, so often I think we, we judge ourselves. Are we doing it right? Are we doing it enough? Are we doing it? And sometimes it is just grabbing I I have one client who literally wanted to meditate for one minute even if it was in the bathroom because she had toddlers you know and so it's really about creating it and making it your own and making it work for the season that you're in so much I was recently uh, emailing with Robert Ola Miller who was a previous guest on the Mindfulness Academy podcast and asking him about you know preparing for the holidays and some recommendations he would have and one of the things he said is that the, the amount of time you spend in silence, meditating, that does not matter. Do not focus on the number, mm. just focus on a daily practice, whatever it is you can, you can do. And yeah. that is another point of grace. And I love that example of mm-hmm. making it work with where you are. Yes. Love that yes. so very much. Um, so let's talk a little bit um, about how this reflection and planning ahead is mindful. Explain mm-hmm. to me kind of what, what it might look like to do so mindfully. Cause you could sure. sit there and say, am I doing it right? <laughs> like you just said. 
Well, I think one, one important message going into it, whatever tool you use or however your process looks is there is no right or wrong. And I think that's the beautiful thing about it. Being able to say, it doesn't really matter how it pans out. It's more about taking the time to look back and look forward or one or the other, whatever's serving you. And so I think so often we think, what's the agenda? How are we going to make sure we can control it and hit all the timelines and the benchmarks? And it's really not about that. It could be that you start the process and you're looking back and you're like, man, I want to take a, I want to take a, a, a deep dive here or a break. And so I always just like to say that because I think so often people who want things to be perfect don't start because they don't think they'll do it perfectly. So set that aside. Mm -hmm. I think so. And I think just the mere action of reflection and celebration helps your brain chemistry be poised for more. So I think for people who are productive and want the outcomes and the data, there's a very scientific component to it. But then I think on the flip side, looking forward about what you want to create, if if we don't have a vision for where we want to go, we might end up anywhere, right? Like those, that's the quote out there. That's the, that's the, the intentionality is what do I want to create for myself in my life? And how can I mindfully position my, my world to receive it? That's my take on it anyway. Yes, I agree with that very much. So I, feel like it might be helpful to chat a little bit through some tips. So there is no right or wrong way. Yep. What might be some tips that could serve folks as they're heading into it? So, so how long might you recommend to a client or ask them to consider taking to do the reflection and looking forward? Sure. I mean, I think it could be as little as an hour or two or half day or as many as an overnight or a couple days, just like you have done. And sometimes people will start small and build up and sometimes people just jump right in. Um, one of my favorite tools, which I think you have also come to love and many of my clients have is the Year Compass. And um, it's a free tool. You can download it online. They have it in more than 50 languages now. And it is the most thorough reflection, look back and look forward that I found anywhere. Um, so I think that if you, if you're looking for a framework to operate in, it's a great tool. If you are not a framework person, you might just want to look back and look forward. But if you like the framework, this will walk you through every single step to comprehensively look back and then look forward. I, I love that tool. And that is what I use love the folks there. We'll give them some love here at the end of the podcast. Yes. But um, I'm wondering when, and we'll get into the nitty gritty of what the year compass actually entails. So folks can maybe make a more informed decision if it's the right fit for them. What do you mean looking backward? Yeah. So, I mean, and this is, this is inspired from the year compass, but one of my favorite things, and it is time consuming is going back through your calendar to say, what were the important moments? Like you had just said, good or bad. But I think the look back is, where did I think I was going to be? And where am I? Who do I need to be grateful for? 
that helped me get here? Um, what gaps do I still have that maybe I can put on my look forward for next year? And it really is just what worked, what didn't work. What do I want more of? What do I want less of? And you can either just use those questions or you can go through a formal process like the Your Compass offers. Yeah, that is also one of my favorite parts of it is going back through my calendar and writing down those important moments. Mm -hmm. And I love kind of reflecting on the energy of certain meetings. Mm -hmm. You know, there are certain ones I think, oh my gosh, I can't believe it's been six months since I took a walk with this friend. What am I doing with myself? I want to get on the horn and get that planned for the next few weeks, or certainly let's start planning ahead for the next year. And I mean, a lot of it comes back to being intentional and mindful with what we want, which you and I've talked about, I think is the most (laughs) simple and most complex question you can ask of yourself and others. So I think one thing that you and I've talked about before is reflecting on what I want to make more of. And so folks can think about that. What are the um, experiences that gave me a good feeling and I want more of that in my life what are the experiences that that just that did not don't work want out that well. again <laughs> no it just wasn't a, the right fit and in the moment it just kind of may, maybe felt like survival or I had to or should have you know shooting all over it and <laughs> now I don't have to because being intentional and planning ahead you're in the driver's seat of yeah what what comes up and so Yeah. And I think too, I, you know, we, um, most of my coaches are certified in energy leadership. So we spend a lot of time talking about energy and that is probably the most simple question that you could ask is in the last year, what gave me energy and what took my energy? And so it's very similar to kind of some of the questions you were asking, but that gives you really clarity, right? You said like, oh, my friend, I get so much energy when I walk and talk with her. So I want more of that. Um, But we don't often pay attention to our energy because we're operating on low fumes and we're burning, you know, at the max capacity. So the type A in me is going to put a tip out there that perhaps (laughs) you want to bring some highlighters of some different colors. And as you've written down those, those big moments, highlight in one color, the things that do bring you joy and that you want to consider putting more into your life. And maybe the things that really drew energy from you in a way that doesn't feel good to you, you might Mm -hmm. consider highlighting those differently. um, Yes. And I think the type A, our type A personalities can learn from that too. It's like, let's just say um, public speaking is something that takes your energy, but it's part of your job like me, right? Like I'm an introvert. And so for me, public speaking takes a lot out of me. So recognizing that that drains my energy yet is important for me, then next year, it's going to be important for me to build in recovery. So it can inform what you're reflecting on last year is going to inform creating a, a new and better life for yourself next year. That's so good. And what a great reminder that yes, we can do hard things, but we we also can give ourselves some regulation time. So important not to just be discouraged. Oh my gosh, I have to do this. So how am I going to get around it? 
Right. And then the next day, go right back into a full day, not giving yourself that time to recoup your energy. So good. Um, from a type A perspective, I would say, you know, you're going to want to take your calendar if you're mm-hmm. setting up for this. Um, what are some of the other things? I mean, obviously pens, highlighters, if you want to get on into that. Um, you know, I love my office supplies, sticky notes, a journal is good. If there's a book, like an inspirational book that you draw, you know, um, inspiration from, you know, I always like to throw those in, in my backpack too. Um, and sometimes people will do this. I mean, the winter is a little tricky because, you know, it's, it's chilly outside, but you don't have to only do this at year end. You can do this quarterly, you can do this monthly, and you can do this outside in a park and nature. So wherever you're feeling inspiration. Honestly, this year, that really is what came to me the most was that I don't want to wait until the end of the year or near the end of the year to do this again, because I think, um, a monthly or or at minimum a quarterly realignment and reflection is huge. And so that's something I want to take into the next year. That was a big aha moment for me is that I want to plan ahead and I want to start, you know, sculpting out, you know, cutting out some time over the next year to have those reflections. Because if, if I just let my schedule be at the whims of um, the world, it it will be full, it will be filled. Right. So I need to be proactive in that. Um, so I love that. Do you think you'll do, um, how long do you think you'll allow on a quarterly basis? I'm just curious. I probably will take a day out of the office and I might, uh, maybe spend the night before just so I can hit the morning, um, and, and be, and be there for, and, or the night after what's kind of nice about, you know, going somewhere and being gone for the day and spending the night is that it's not just this constant, you know, clock watching, which is what right. I tend to do if I have to leave, you know, like the timer dings and you're done. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I probably prefer actually, if I only have one night to spend the night after and then just give myself time to process. And and I love the, the recommendation to bring along inspirational books because I was doing that at night before I go to bed and oh, what a gift to yourself. And it doesn't have to just be at the retreat time, but to fill your brain with something life-giving and inspirational before you go to bed. I cannot recommend anything more highly in all the world at this yeah, particular juncture in my life because you're giving your mind something beautiful to chew on before you, you go to bed. Then you yeah. can process. And that's where, where you're sending yourself off into your dreams. I think it's very powerful. Um, there's some sitting that was involved with mine, you know, sitting quietly and um, just noticing Maybe I was wanting to run away and do other things or what was kind of coming up of my fears of reflecting or looking forward. All all the saboteurs had their chance to come to the, come to the microphone and say their bit Mm -hmm. and me to say, thank you. (laughs) Uh, Duly noted. Now you may sit down. Um, What about some affirmations? Because I know those saboteurs can really crop up. Yes. When we are quiet, when we are trying to do things perfectly what sorts of affirmations might help or mantras, whatever might serve us? I love that question. And I think that it's going to be different for different people because our inner critic or saboteur or gremlin or whatever you like to call them are different for each person. So for some people, it might be, 
not good enough, not smart enough, not pretty enough, not fast enough, not slow enough, not, you know, whatever. It's some version or another telling you you're not enough. Or for some of us, you're too much. Dial it back. Don't be so big, you know, and bold. And so I think the the real magic is to get clear about what the message is that you're hearing, to externalize it. So for example, if I'm hearing, um, you'll never be as good as, that's a common inner critic of mine. You'll never be as good as, you know, the other person, the other coaches, the other speakers. Um, that's clear on my message. And then um, pretending like it's your best friend sitting on a couch with you. Okay. So or I'm thinking about my husband sitting next to me and me saying like, oh, I've got that big presentation, you know, next week and him saying, oh yeah, that sucks. You're never going to be as good as the other speakers. He would never say that, nor would I let him, but we let our inner critic speak to us and we change our behavior as a result. So I think externalizing is the first step and then recognizing what is it you most need to hear instead. So for me, I did a lot of work on my inner critic with my coach and it is, there is only one Aaron. It doesn't matter if there's 10 coaches on the stage. There's only one you and you're the only one who's going to speak in the way that you speak. That is like comfort. So that's taking your saboteur or your gremlin and turning it into your cheerleader. Like They're just trying to protect you from failing. That's it. And so on one hand, we can be grateful and annoyed, right? Like this is not good advice. This is not helping me, but I get that you mean well. I like the tips on how how to talk back and recognize their place and what they're trying to accomplish. I think that's really important. Um, we've talked in the past about permission a lot. Yeah. How does that relate to this time of reflection and planning? I mean, I think it's everything. Because if you are judging yourself or not giving yourself full permission to take the time that you need and do what you need to um, center, ground, reflect, and plan, then it's just not going to work because, you know, you'll open your email and you'll be like, oh, somebody needs me and you'll get sucked in and, you know, you'll schedule meetings and then you'll delay it and you might not reschedule it. So I think the permission and protection of that space is everything. And I think making it your own is the way that you can give yourself that permission. So like for you, I was thinking about your mindful practice of um, floating, how much that gives you peace and joy. Like how great would it be to pair a float with then a reflection? You know, maybe that's one of your quarterly kickoffs. Or for me, I really find myself getting grounded when I can go to a spa and I can take massage and really quiet my mind and relax my body. So maybe that's how I'll kick it off, but giving myself permission because I've worked hard and I deserve that. What happens if we don't take this time? That's a good question. And I think, I mean, millions of people do it or don't do it, I guess I should say. And I think they're fine. I think the question is, is fine enough for us? And, you know, what is it that it, if we don't look back and be grateful and learn lessons to carry forward, 
then are we really growing? So I think it's okay if that's okay for you. And I don't think there's a reason to judge yourself. I think people come into mindfulness at the exact right time for them based on what they need and what's available. I mean, I don't know what I would have done if I never met Scott Sweet and did that mindfulness-based stress reduction course. But boy, five years prior, I wouldn't have been ready for it. And that's okay. I think the same thing for me. And I have reflected many times about how the pandemic would have been so much different for me, would have been so much different for my family had I not gone through the MBSR training. Oh, that's so interesting. I can totally see that. Just having tools at my disposal in a time where it felt like what control do I have? What is on my list of 10 and what, oh what do gosh. I actually have control over? Yeah. I mean, that's really where that exercise was born was people were so stressed out and there was nothing they could do. And so that's when we really started using that exercise. I would say another practice that I started doing this year as I led up to my retreat was I really started getting intentional, intentional about filling my mind with really inspirational, positive readings mm-hmm. and coupling that with envisioning myself and practicing kind of going in and getting quieter. So it wasn't just like hair on fire one day and then now I have to be silent, you know, <laughs> you know, 12 hours later, I'm meditating for all this time and thinking about big, big, big things, but seeing it as, you know, kind of ramping down into that instead of just a hard switch and coming in hot. Um, I was more intentional this time. And even, I think I might've even put a little time on my calendar of like no meetings at the end of this day, because I want to really get stuff wrapped up and start going in. So even at home, just more quiet. That's fantastic. And it really set the stage for me. So Mm -hmm. just sharing a little bit about how I might've done that. Um, I, when I started mine, I set up my cushion and spent some time meditating. I, I do love myself some Palo Santo. Smells mm. amazing. Yes. Kind of sets the stage. Even just a, a candle burning can just be a beautiful sign of intention. Um, but it goes back into antiquity, really. Mm. I love that. And it helps helps me ground into the space where I am and set an intention for what I want with my time. And I think for me, it recognizes the sacredness of mm-hmm. reflecting on a whole year. I got to live this whole last year. Not everybody did. And what was it about? Yeah. What was it about what were the gifts? What were the trials? How have I grown? How do I want to grow? And that's mm-hmm. where you get into the moving forward. Um, it is sacred. And to me, it is. It's very, very sacred. Yeah. So that helps me set the stage for it. Um, I I took some I took some um, creative writing um, instruction from a course actually from Hanif, um, and I will butcher his last name, so I'm not going to say it. Um, <laughs> but it starts with an A, and he's he's very famous and a fantastic human being. Um, but he talks about setting your table. When you go to write or so when you go to prepare, when you go to be, 
and what a beautiful image that is, you know, where, where is your paper? Where, where is your, where's your, um, your candle? Where is your pen? Where, where, where all the special things remind you of, I am the only Amy. I am the only Aaron. This is my space to create. I would maybe even add, like, if you have favorite stones or crystals or, you know, I mean, different people have different beliefs about what supports them. Exactly. Yes. It might be a prayer or a meditation, or for some people it's even exercise. Like how can I exercise and get some energy out so I can be fully present? Maybe yoga, maybe Pilates or something Tai Chi. Yeah. Yeah. I think that shows the sacredness of creation and being Mm -hmm. present. So I, I would, I would share that with you. I also spend time doing glowy, which we'll do here momentarily. Um, glowy. I know, me too. I love it, love it, love it. And and if you just have a moment, so if you are, you know, the mother of of, a, of toddlers, this might be a perfect practice for you. If you only have a minute while using the bathroom, this might be a way for you to connect yes. with yourself as well. Um, another big thing I would say um, is to turn off the phone. I mean, turn it on airplane mode. I mean, you might need to look at your, you know, your calendar, calendar. so you can see. Yep you know, what happened. And I just used my phone, turned it on the airplane and just looked at it. So I'm not getting all these interruptions and then put that thing away. Mm-hmm. There's a ton of value to just being really, really focused. Yeah. The interruptions take so much energy from us and I chose not to let it. Yeah. So- I love that. And don't let your inner critic say, what if someone needs you? <laughs> Cover your, cover your bases, right? I'm sure you asked for help. I'm sure you prepped your family, you know, people know how to reach you if they need to. Um, but so often we, that is a voice that we listen to when we change our behaviors. And maybe you set a timer for one hour or two hours or 30 in. minutes. If it's yes. like, Hey, I can only do 30. And then I really just need to check in. You set it, you get to be um, in charge of it. So with the year compass, uh, it's about 18 pages that are mm-hmm. truly active. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk about some of the different components so folks can consider. Um, we've already talked about some of the barriers. So we'll we'll just kind of get into what the yeah. what the year compass really means and um, kind of the next steps, like what, what people do next before we wrap up. Yeah. So when you think about the look back, a couple of things that I really love about the year compass is that it helps you to not only go through your calendar, figure out what gave you energy, what you want to celebrate or feel proud of, but it also has you break down what last year was about in multiple categories. And I think that can be very mindful because so often you might only be looking at your job or you might only be looking at your family. And one of the things when we do whole life coaching is your whole life needs to be firing on all cylinders if you want to feel fulfilled and happy. So I love that it includes items like relaxation and hobbies and creativity or your mental health or your physical health. And so there's opportunities and guided reflections that kind of help you look back in those ways. And then it really asks you to declare some different sentences about last year. So you're kind of telling your story of 2023 or whichever year you're reflecting on. And then it asks you some really thoughtful, meaningful questions. So it's almost like a little coach and a guide that um, you can do at your own pace. 
Um, so it takes you through many pages of reflection. So don't get overwhelmed with that. If you just want to do a little bit every day, that's okay. Or if you want to carve out a big chunk of time to do it all, that's okay too. So really it gets you to the point where the last two pages I think are super powerful where it says, who do you need to forgive? And then what do you need to let go of? And I think from a mindfulness perspective, that is the creating the space, right? What can we, it's like cleaning out your closet. You know, once you clean it out, you're like, oh, I've got all this room for new clothing. You know, it's, what does that mean for your brain and for your mind and for your soul? So that's the look back part. And then um, it even has, if it if it speaks to you, you know, kind of signing like the last year in three words would be this, this would be the book. And then here's my farewell to 2023. So it's very ritualistic from that perspective. Um, and then very similarly, you're looking forward to say, what is it that I want to create? And it guides you through that process too. And then at the end, it's basically saying, are you ready for this? And almost signing on the dotted line to say like, this is what I'm committing to creating for my life. It's big stuff. I did find myself kind of, there are a number of pages that I kind of kept out, kind of spread out on the floor. Yeah, what so were I would some have of your for reference. Um, well, I think that it was helpful just for me to reference back what were the things, you know, that worked really well. And I wanted to create more of for, for family or for friends or for career, kind of like you were just mentioning and having that as a reference from the previous year, those are the things I wanted to carry forward. Mm -hmm. And as I was planning out the next year, having that as, oh yeah, I do want to mm -hmm. walk more with my friend or, oh yeah, I do want to have quarterly retreats, you know, that that would help me quite a bit or whatever it might be. Um, and Danielle Laporte, whom I really appreciate her and all of her work. I think you introduced me to her as well. Um, she just really talks about even a to not do list. And I think that's not something that's part of the year compass, but I love that yeah. because there are certain things it's, it's a permission. Sure. Yeah, it's a permission to not do. Maybe there's certain folks that's like, hey, maybe just a little less of that, you know, maybe yes. a little less interaction or a little more boundaries around the discussion, perhaps. What mm -hmm. is it to not do, to not engage with this or, or with that? Um, that can be just kind of a, yeah, the boundaries and self, self-protection around certain things are, are really powerful. Yeah. Um, I, I think if I were to recommend something as an addition to the year compass, and this might be where some of the coaching kind of come in because there's really kind of a next what's next mm -hmm. i think a, a model for quarterly check-ins would be really amazing so mm -hmm. your compass folks hear hear us out this is one thing that i would love to see um would definitely be happy to pay for that also just um kind of the what next because i mean how do people use this aaron I mean, yeah. how do you take this you know 18 page document and or 18 active pages and and move it into your year app, apply it. Yeah, I think that's a good question. And again, I think it's going to look different for different people. You know, the, um, it ends with identifying your word of the year. So if 
if that is really resonant for you, a lot of people do a lot with that. They might make a bracelet. They might make sure that they have some visual cues about the word. They might use that word as a guide to say, if this, if I were living my life by this word, what behaviors would you see in my week? What behaviors would you see in my month? So you can use that as an anchor um, as you think about I mean, the biggest question I would, I would offer is who do you want to be next year? And then what is it that you need to do to create that? And so I think it can be informative of how you want to live your life and, and, and give you the opportunity to put some plans in place to do that. So I'm hearing maybe some ideas might be uh, vision boards who have visual mm -hmm. representation or some, yep. something on your person. Um, I think we've talked about how maybe some folks might just create um, goals. Like it just becomes a goals list. These are the things I want to accomplish. Really, really simple. Um, Hold out my vision yes. to share. Yep. Love that. Love writing a letter to yourself, right? You and I have talked about this. Kevin Bailey does a great job to say at the beginning of the year, write a letter or a journal entry as if it were the end of the year. And as if all of the things had already happened. And then don't look at it again until the end of the year or look at it every day, right? There's so many different ways that you can go about it. It feels like for me, I think I would like to maybe boil it down to, mm -hmm. uh, you know, these are the things I want to accomplish, just kind of, you know, some bullet pointed lists and, and I love vision boards. So even a visual representation, I have it on the, mm -hmm. on the back, my backdrop on my computer, I have a scan yes. of it and it's oh. awesome to see it. Um, and I think it, opens the mind for accepting it, but there could be a mix of the, you know, an actual list of things that I want to accomplish. So reading it every day as I kind of come in, but then having some visual representation that kind of softens it. I feel like, yeah, yeah, I'm figuring this out as we talk. So, yeah. uh, and it changes, I'm sure each year, right. As you evolve, your process can evolve and that's the beauty of it. Yes. Now I feel like I want to hit pause and I want to go do that right now. I'm just really inspired to go do it. So hopefully we're giving the listeners some great um, inspiration on, on how they might be able to do this. Um, I know that we want to give your compass tons of love. I'm wondering just for the sake of those who might have a different process, are there any others you'd like to throw into that mix that you have seen work very well? I mean, I think I think there are probably a million different options out there. If you look into reflection, I'm sure there's guided ones that are visualization and reflections. I'm sure there's journals out there. The most simple is what do I want more of? What do I want less of? Right. So you can do that simple or you can do a very comprehensive framework. And I think one of my favorite things at the end, although you see, I wrote my list on it, but my, one of my favorite things at the end is I believe anything is possible this year and really declaring that to be true and then allowing it. Would you mind sharing what your word or words were for this year? Sure. Yeah. So for this year, it was um, abundance. And I've done a tremendous amount of work on my personal money mindset, on my allowing abundance of, in all aspects of life, right? Thinking from a well-being, thinking from a business, thinking from a family relational perspective. So really abundance. And then the, the mantra that I like to say to myself is, please allow me to be the healthiest version of myself in all aspects of life. And that comes from being abundant. 
for love, me. I love the the mantra that comes along with that intention. I think that is so mm. powerful. So mine for the coming year, I'll also be vulnerable, mm-hmm. um, is, and it's two words, but it is mindful focus mm. that I really want the essential in the middle of my life, that the focus, I'm giving myself permission to really focus in on what I want more of in my life. So thank you for sharing all of that. Um, As we wrap up here, I wanted to give you an opportunity to uh, share with folks about maybe uh, special offerings or how they can learn more about you and the amazing work that you and your coaches are doing. Sure. Thanks for the opportunity. So our website is www.intentionalconsultants with an S on the end.com. And um, what we try to do with our blog and our LinkedIn, which our LinkedIn, you can find me at Aaron D. Slater, um, LinkedIn slash Aaron D. Slater. We try to really put provocative, simple leadership tips that you can implement right away. So things such as the control exercise or others, um, and we definitely welcome you to join our community there. Tons of great content. Cannot recommend their LinkedIn feed enough. Um, Always an inspiration as you read those throughout your day. Um, I would love to invite you to do the glowy daily reflection practice as we wrap up here. Um, I know gratefulness is central to your mindfulness practice and we will, we will go through it. So um, the G stands for grateful, the Mm. things you're grateful for else for lift up the things that might need assistance resources for you or others. The O is for observe what you might notice inside and around you. Um, The W is for wholesome intention, very central to mindfulness. What is Mm. your intention? And the why is for you are. So your positive affirmation about yourself, Aaron, you are. So we'll start with the G for grateful. What are you grateful for? I am grateful for life's abundant opportunities. Like how and you being worked that word in. To take advantage of them. Beautiful. Way to use your word. Bonus points. <laughs> <laughs> um, the L is for lift up. So what is something that might need resources? I would like to lift up. Um, for myself and others who right now are experiencing stress and anxiety as we wrap up the year, you know, as we think about being mindful and doing year end reflection, I also just want to acknowledge how hard it is, right? We're sailing into Thanksgiving. We're going to be sailing into the holiday break and it's not easy. So just lifting that up for myself and others. A recent study showed that at least 88% of Americans feel stressed around the holidays. That's all of us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's incredible. So mm-hmm. these mindfulness practices are mm-hmm. so key. So mm-hmm. key. Wholesome intention. What is your wholesome intention, Erin? Mm. So my wholesome intention connects back to my word of the year, which is really to be the, the healthiest version of myself mentally, physically, and spiritually. What about your, you are, what is your positive affirmation about yourself? Yeah. So I wrote this because it speaks to me. And I think many is that you are worthy and whole, right? None of us are broken. Like we are whole creative and resourceful and just, um, acknowledging that and that we're worth whatever time we want to put into this reflection. 
Aaron, it never fails that I get goosebumps multiple times whenever I talk to you. There's always so much inspiration and I am deeply grateful for the generosity of your time and helping us through this special podcast edition, um, reflecting on our previous year and planning for the next in a mindful way. I can think of nothing more mindful and Mm -hmm. I appreciate your thoughts about it. Um, Today's episode is sponsored by Good Aim Communications. You can learn more about Good Aim Communications, a digital marketing firm at goodaimcommunications.com. I would also encourage you to sign up up for the Mindfulness Academy e-newsletter. You can access that um, at mindfulnessacademy.us. Um, and you will get the link to um, the year compass. It should, the new one should be coming out very soon. Um, mm-hmm. And you can also get mindfulness tips, podcast release dates, um, and lots more. So um, definitely encourage you to set that up um, as a subscription for yourself. Um, and at the time of this recording, the year compass is a free planning tool. And we want to thank the year compass folks for the generosity. If you download this thing, you will be blown away. I guarantee it. You will be blown away by the generosity of these folks who have given us away. It's such a generous gift to I can't all believe the world. it's free. I can't either. So we are grateful to all you folks for that. It's a beautiful gift and we are very thankful. So from my heart to yours, may you live with ease. This is your host, Amy Morgan, signing off. <laughs>